You're listening to SpursCast, episode 491. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am joined here by Michael DeLeon of ProjectSpurs.com. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. So it's been a good Sunday afternoon so far. I'm not, I'm not near any bridges in San Antonio, so I'm all right. Yeah, I mean, yesterday did not quite pan out, I think, as we both had expected. Did you think it was going to be a blowout? The We're talking about the Spurs' game one um, uh, loss to Golden State. Did you think that would be a blowout, or did you think they'd keep it close? I thought they'd at least keep it a little closer. It's hard to know what to expect, really, because you really don't know what uh, what they're going to come into the first game at with, because, you know, they hadn't played super well coming into the playoffs, but it's still Warriors. And, but I, I thought it would be a little closer. Um, and it wasn't. It was. It it it, it kind of went wrong almost immediately. So, yeah, same here. Uh, I had Colin Reed on the on the Spurs cast last time when we previewed the series, and it was so. We even talked about this how it was so hard to to figure out these Warriors because their data was all so bad without Curry. You know, with their injury situation with Iguodala with Clay Thompson, and we just didn't know. What, and then you know, seven and ten coming into this game, and then you know, Kerr throws a, throws a wrench in the series already by starting Iguodala at point guard. So that that obviously gave him a great uh, defensive benefit. Let's go ahead and get into this uh, a detailed breakdown of this game, Mike, uh, game one, uh, where the Spurs did lose. Okay, so so Spurs cast listeners, the Spurs ended up falling in game one, 113-92. I'm pretty sure a lot of you might have turned it off after the third quarter because it was pretty much over by then. Uh, in the first quarter, the Spurs already went down by 10 points uh, with 150 left in the, in the first quarter. Second quarter, they go down by 18 with basically a minute left before halftime. Uh, they're down by 16 going into halftime. In the third quarter... Uh, Pop made a, a, a roster change where he uh, starting lineup change should I say where he started Rudy Gay in the third quarter. Uh, the Spurs did get it down briefly to nine, but then the Warriors went up by they were up by seventeen with two twenty eight left in the third quarter, and that's when Pop finally pulled Lamarcus, and pretty much that was game because from there none of the Spurs is like main guys uh, played in the rest of that third quarter or the fourth. Um, defensively, uh, Mike, let's go over the defense first for the Spurs. I, I think that was the main issue is like. If you looked on the stat sheet, every single quarter that the Warriors, I mean, the Spurs gave up 27 or more points in each quarter, and their baseline is always to give up 25 or less. They want to keep your team under 100. Um, so, some, so, Mike, so I'm going to read you some, some notes I wrote down about their defense uh, in those first three quarters only, really, because I didn't, I didn't, you know, the fourth quarter was not a, as applicable. Um, I'll read you some notes and tell me kind of what you agree with, uh, uh, what, what you saw as well, if, if I missed anything. Okay, so one of the first notes I wrote was uh, Warriors targeted Mills. So they use a lot of pin-down action and uh, pick-and-roll action and also just one-on-one post-ups to target Mills initially right from the get-go. Uh, next note I wrote, the Warriors ran on Spurs misses, which created mismatches. So when the Spurs would miss these tough shots because of Golden State's defense, on the other end, the, the Warriors picked up their pace and they found uh, Spurs players in different mismatches that they, that they used to their advantage. Uh, next note, the Spurs went over screens, uh, tried to contain Durant, which allowed uh, JaVale McGee to make plays by slipping off those screens and getting those, um, those, those layups to the rim and getting fouled a lot. Uh, last, next thing is uh, when Bryn Forbes checked into the game early in the first half, the, the Warriors targeted him just like they did Patty Mills. Uh, on Klay Thompson, the Spurs were, were so confused on defense with their communication where Klay either got wide open threes by slipping past the defender because they didn't communicate and switch, or defenders would be so overwhelmed with Clay's presence and gravity that other players like Livingston would get layups at the rim or, or get fouled. And the last thing I wrote, uh, Mike, was that Monty was actually, uh, do you, oh no, sorry, this is actually a different note. Uh, so, so what do you, what did you, what did you think about those notes that I just wrote down? And also, did you see anything different? No, I, I actually agree. I mean, I mean it's, it's going to be hard for Mills, especially when you're starting against a team that doesn't have, I mean, I, I don't think they, I don't think they had anybody Shorter than six six in that lineup for the Warriors. I mean, when you start Andre Iguodala at um, point guard, and you have another, I think 
Thompson's at six. I mean, it's going to be hard for him in any situation to guard any of those guys. What What's especially hard is when you have him matched up against even bigger guys like a Durant. And I saw him on Durant a few times or, or, or even bigger guys, and it, it just seemed uh, like it's kind of like, where do you hide him in that situation? It's kind of hard to hide him anywhere. So uh, the other thing with, with the uh, McGee thing was a lot of people made kind of a big deal out of that. And, and yeah, I mean, he did well, but it's, I think Danny Green made a point and said, you know, you kind of have to give something up there. And they mm-hmm. put, they paid so much attention to Thompson that a lot of times McGee would get free in. So they kind of would rather take McGee making shots at the rim than uh, Clay being open for, for threes, things like that. Uh, also, I mean, Clay is just very smart. I don't think he gets enough credit for how smart he is on offense because when they actually jumped the screen and they tried to, um, you know, they were able to react that quickly. He almost put himself out of the play entirely, so that somebody else would have more space uh, against, you know, another uh, a mismatch, and he get the ball to them, and he kind of stay away just to draw his defender outside of the um, the paint or flung in the paint. He did a really good job of that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was just, I think the uh, the whole Iguodala thing and starting him right away kind of set the tone for their defense because. He obviously, he's not going to be that guy that's going to go out and score a whole bunch of points anymore, but uh, defensively, I mean, he was, it, I mean, he changes things for them, and they had that length, which, which really hurt and kind of put the, the Spurs in a, you know, bit of a bind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean defensively, it, it's, you've got to definitely find some ways to change. They've got to, I think the matchups are going to be rough, especially if you don't make any changes there. Um, so I think what you, your notes were pretty much right on. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to get into some, maybe some potential lineup changes a little bit later when we get into the adjustment segment of this, of this Spurs cast. One thing I wanted to note, I was trying to pull the box score. Um, so, so some of the Warriors top guys, like Kevin Durant finishes with 24 points in 31 minutes. Um, next up, Clay Thompson has 27 points. Like you mentioned, he only missed two shots, 11 to 13. He didn't have to take that many dribbles. I mean, the guy made five or six threes. The guys, you know, Clay's just an amazing shooter, even with stuff out uh, out of the series right now. Uh, JaVale McGee, like you mentioned, there you have to give up something. And so the Spurs didn't bank on McGee giving the Warriors 15 points. And so I think they're going to have to risk that gamble again, even in game two. I think you have to see if he can do it for two or three games before you realize if he's going to be a real weapon that's going to hurt your team. Uh, Draymond finishes with 12, um, 11, and 8. Uh, and then uh, off the bench, Sean Livingston puts up 11 points. So those are some of the offensive numbers for the Warriors. Uh, they shot 46% from three. They won the battle on the boards. They got 10 offensive oh, boards, yeah. and that's the thing where Board the Spurs are pretty good. Mess. Yeah. Uh, one other defensive note I wanted to make, Mike, was that the Spurs have to be ready. Um, you know, it's tough this, this series because of this one stat right here. Kevin Durant will play the entire first quarter. He will play seven and a half minutes of the second quarter and all of the third quarter. I mean, that's, that's like, you basically only, in the first three quarters, you only get four and a half minutes without Durant to try to survive. And even when those four and a half minutes, Kurt staggers uh, Clay and, and Dr- Draymond's minutes so well that uh, they, um, they, they, they play those, those minutes when Durant is resting. So, I mean, this is a, you know, like, like we mentioned, the Spurs are outmatched. We'll get to some adjustments they might be able to make on defense to keep them, giving them a little bit of hope. Um, now let's move over to the Spurs' offense, Mike. I'm going to go through some notes I wrote down. And again, just like same thing. Let me know if you agree or if you saw anything different that you wanted to add to this. Uh, first note, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, had trouble posting up McGee one-on-one, um, especially with that little hook shot that LaMarcus likes to use. McGee blocked that, um, and he, he really contested it pretty well. 
Uh, but Lamarcus, when he when he when he gets uh, his his mid range uh, pick and pop shot, or just even kind of spaces out, he McGee McGee likes to stay near the rim. That's just kind of his his identity, who he is as a defender. So Lamarcus will have those open mid range shots from time to time. Uh, next note, uh, Rudy Gay is 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 pretty good at ball handling, and we've kind of known that, but he we haven't seen it as much. And and you saw it in this game where he was able to create for himself, create for others. He had a really nice drive one time when he drew like three defenders near him, and then he slips a little past the pal right under the rim. Uh, we saw. I'm gonna. I, one of the notes I'm gonna write is about his pick and roll ability. Uh, something else I wrote down: uh, David West has no chance of guarding Lamarcus Aldridge one on one. That was one where Lamarcus had his way with David West. Um, and then Rudy Gay and and Lamarcus, the pick and roll, the four five pick and roll that actually worked very well in the third quarter when they ran it. They ran it like four times in a row against McGee. And McGee, yep. like I mentioned, he's a drop back center. He's kind of like Powell, where he doesn't have a lot of foot speed out on the perimeter. So if uh, if the Warriors try to switch that, then Gay got him one on one, which gave him an open shot. If McGee went under then Gay got a wide-open jumper. Or if the, the Warriors switch, uh, LaMarcus got Draymond Green in the post-up. So there's a lot of advantages to that, that Rudy Gay-LaMarcus pick-and-roll. And even one play that, that, that worked out pretty well that I'd like to see the Spurs experiment with is uh, the 1-5 pick-and-roll between DeJounte Murray and LaMarcus Aldridge against McGee. That actually worked well, too. LaMurray got a contested layup. But he's able to, like just like Rudy, he can kind of beat McGee with his foot speed um, going, you know, you know, uh, d- down toward the rim and McGee's more of a drop back center. So did you see, see anything else on the Spurs' offensive side um, that you wanted to comment on? I, I think that, that really does. Right there it's, I think it's going to be hard unless somebody else can make shots. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that the Warriors are going to be able to continue to focus on just Aldridge. And, you know, people can, can say what they want about him, but when he's got uh, McGee on him and then they've got Draymond coming over and doubling at times, and there's nobody to really make them pay for those decisions, then they're going to continue to do that, and it's going to be hard for anybody. So, uh, you know, somebody else in, in that lineup's got to got to make shots. I really like what you said about the one five with uh, Dejounte because you and I have talked about this before. A lot of times when they do that, Dejounte's smart enough to hang around the basket and get easy baskets like that, and and a lot of times the markets will be able to find him, and usually he's got a, a high bench. I mean, he won't this time but he, he still got the athleticism to to make some of those um easy ones inside i mean uh, i think golden state did a really good job of of controlling the the paint I, I don't have the exact numbers but i know that the numbers were really low as, uh, as to how many yeah uh, the spurs were uh they, yeah 22 points of the paint that was it and that's you're right that's really low and then i'm pulling up the the field goal percentage from the paint real quick or the, the shooting percentage should i say yeah, this is bad. 11 of 30 in the paint for the Spurs and only 22 yeah. points. It was not good. And the, whereas the Warriors shot 50% of the paint with 34. Wow. Um, yeah. Some, of the, some yeah. of the scorers for the Spurs in this game, uh, their top scorer is Rudy Gay off the bench with 15 points. Like we mentioned, he, uh, he started the second half. Um, LaMarcus finishes with 14 on 12 shots. You know, Like I mentioned, the Warriors did a good job of sending some double-team action at him. McGee defended him well. Uh, and then Bryn Forbes. He, he, we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but um, you know, he's one of the guys who... He, he's, Patty's more so just a spot of shooter. That's kind of what he is. Like that's just his game. Whereas Bryn Forbes can kind of, um, you know, pump fake and then get that, that little mid range jumper off, and, and he got it off, and he got fourteen points. Now some of those points did come in the fourth. Uh, and then lastly, Manu played very well, even though he played seventeen minutes because it was basically a blowout. Manu did well in the minutes that he was on the floor. Uh, nine points, uh, three rebounds. He did have uh, and three steals there. So 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 like those are like your four guys, and that's not good. Obviously, if those are your four best players um, to try to beat this this Warriors team without without with three All Stars and, and no Curry. Um, okay, Mike, let's go ahead and go into our, our second topic and let's go into, let's talk about the adjustments the Spurs might be able to make, uh, for game two to make this a little bit more of a competitive series. Um, I think that 
so I wrote down the defense adjustments. Uh, let's start with the defense first because I, f- I figure that I feel that's the, the first area of concern if you're San Antonio. Um, the, the Warriors are starting that new lineup that's really long defensively. Um, they don't have a lot of shooting in that lineup, but they do have two of the best shooters in Clay and and and, and, uh, and um, Durant. So Iguodala starts at the point six six, Clay at six seven, Kevin Durant at six nine, Draymond at six seven, and then uh, Javale McGee at seven foot. So I think that the first move you got to make if you're the Spurs is you know as good as he is as a shooter, I think you got to take Patty Mills or Brent Forbes out of the starting lineup, just because that's what the Warriors want to do. First of all, they want to target those guys, those guys that have a size mismatch. And really go at them. So I'm thinking maybe like a lineup like Murray, Danny Green, Kyle Anderson, and Rudy Gay and Aldridge, or something like Murray, Manu, Green, Gay, and Aldridge. The reason why I say that is because you want to have a lineup where there's like guys six five above to like six eleven, so that in the event that the Warriors do run those pin downs or those um those those pick and rolls, you're able to switch quickly with the guy who's kind of matching length with length for length as best as possible. Uh, what do you think about that? About taking Patty out of the starting lineup? No, I agree with that. And honestly, I, I, that was going to be kind of one of my notes for offense as well. Is it would be to take Patty out just because of uh, you know some of the things that went went on there. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to focus on him and, and try to you know create those mismatches, which I, he's he's going to be in a mismatch regardless of, of who he's pretty much light up against. So that's going to be hard. Um, I think uh, for offensive reasons, of course, I know we're focusing on defense. It's kind of hard to take Rudy off the bench because then. Who do you turn to? Uh, so yeah, they definitely need to get someone else. I, I think Manu might be the the right choice here to to start. And I think uh, defensively, Manu's been, you know, he he's he's a two, he's definitely a two way player. And I, and I think uh, I don't think you can really uh, take advantage of of his defense the way they are against Mills with Manu. And he's still obviously gonna have it's still gonna be about an issue shorter than any of those guys, but I think uh, you're better off in that situation with, with Manu defending than you are with Patty. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. is like In the perfect world, you pretty much only want Patty playing when Quinn Cook plays. That way they could kind of match those two size for size. But, I mean, like you mentioned, uh, you have to still use Patty or Bryn Forbes, even though they're undersized, because of the offensive firepower they do bring you. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest issue here for Pop, is that even if you start Rudy Gay or you start Manu or, or you know, Where's your scoring coming from for the bench? Because, you know, on the bench, if you do that, you only have Manu, maybe Forbes, Mills. I mean, there's no really scoring off the bench guys that can kind of, none of them can really create their own shot as, as well against this Warriors defense, but at least make them some spot up jumpers. And, and that's a tough task for them. Um, it's just, you know, it comes down to the Spurs almost just being limited on firepower on the offensive end. I mean, uh, you know, but I, I, for, if I'm San Antonio, I, I do go defense first just to kind of keep yourself in the game. Hey, if you're getting stops on one end, and your offense has obviously been terrible. You can at least try to live as close, stay stay alive as close as po- as close as possible with the Warriors, uh, at least on the defensive end. Um, some other notes I wrote for some some better adjustments um, for the Spurs. Like one for sure, matchup size with size. Two, uh, better communication on those pin downs. We saw that, you know, like you mentioned with Clay when he's either when he's going for those three pointers. Uh, you know, you got to make that switch fast and, and be, make sure you're you're accurate. And then also don't. Don't double team him and leave somebody slip to the rim. That's kind of one of the issues I think that they'll fix in the film room. Um, I think, like you mentioned, you and I, we got to you got to live with the uh, the McGee rolls to the rim, and you got to make him beat you. And you got because I mean, like like they said, the Spurs players, you got to you got to give up something. And so you're 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 banking on Javale, who's not as as efficient of a player to have to do that in consecutive games. Um, and then also something else that the Spurs have been good at all year, but they didn't do it quite well in this in this game was uh, limiting offensive rebounds. They're one of the top ten defenses in terms of grabbing boards. Now this might be because they played small most of the game, 
but you, you still got to get on the boards and not give up 10, 10 offensive rebounds for going to state. What do you have anything else to add to the defensive adjustments for San Antonio? I think you pretty much said it and it's just going to require a few, you know, probably that one lineup change. Um, I do want to speak to, I think a lot of people are, are, are wanting to see Derek White in the starting lineup, but I, I doubt we'll see that happen. It's just, I wrote it's that just down. Not... Actually, it's one of my notes we're going to talk about. Next. Yeah, okay, okay. Go so ahead. We'll, Let's we'll, just start we'll, it now. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see Pop changing like everything he's done in his entire career. To, I think everybody knows. And he, and White came in and I give him credit, but I think, you know, that there's a difference between like, uh, like garbage time minutes and, and G league minutes. And then actually, you know, being put into, you know, a, an important playoff game starting against, you know, obviously he's going to have to guard either probably Gazala or Clay Thompson. And that's, that's rough for a rookie no matter what. So I, I don't see Pop making that change anytime soon. Um, you know, maybe maybe he's earned some more minutes. Um, I, like I said, he was able to make uh, a difference on defense, had a block, got some rebounds, things like that. So maybe he's earned that, but he's not going to start. I, I really highly doubt that. Yeah, see, okay, so this is what I'm torn on too. And I, I, I wrote it down. I even circled it on, on our notes because I wanted to bring this up because a lot of fans are obviously asking. They were asking for Derek White even before the playoffs started yeah. to get minutes. And, of course, as soon as he gets out there, he scores his first points, and then he gets that really good uh, transition uh, defensive block where he blocked with almost two hands that shot, uh, that layup attempt. So, I mean, he physically, he, he has like what Murray has. He's 6'5". He's a long wing who the Warriors won't be able to take advantage of on the defensive end as much as they would Patty or Bryn Forbes or Tony Parker. Um, and I, you know, the Spurs are underdogs in the series. You kind of, you know, let's be real here. We kind of know they're probably not going to win the series. Almost all of us on our staff picked them to lose this series in either four to six games. So if you kind of know the end road for this team, I, I would honestly it, it, just gamble with it. I, I would give the kid real minutes, whether it's starting or coming off the bench. And, and I agree with you where it comes up to pop because pop does not have a history of giving a guy who's only played 17 NBA games real minutes in, in, in a real situation. Now, I know he did that with Murray last year, but that was only because somebody got hurt. Tony Parker got hurt. So in, in the event somebody got really got hurt, I could see Pop having to trust Derek White and just saying, hey, go out there and do what you can. But if, if everyone's healthy, I can't see Pop changing, like you mentioned, his, 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 his 20 plus years of coaching history to, to do this kind of move to give a rookie who, who's spent more time in the G League than the NBA those kind of minutes. From from my opinion, I would say just roll the dice and try it. You know, you really have nothing. Like I mentioned, you really have nothing to lose. Minus well, the kid's athletic. He's he has a really high confidence right now coming from the G League championship where he played very well. So so I would just roll the dice and you know he messes up in the first few minutes and hey take him out and you can't play him. But you know I I just feel like you need some sort of X factor. You know this roster. I, I you can already tell Tony Parker's not going to give them as much. He's stable, but he's not going to give them anything in the scoring department on the defensive end. Uh, we, we saw how Bryn Forbes is a liability on defense, even though he does give him more on on the scoring end. Patty too. He only he only got like five shots yesterday. The, the Warriors do a very good job of limiting him. They have a history of showing that. So, you know, I, I just like you like you and I both agree. I, we just don't think Pop will, will do that in this situation with Derek White. The other thing, is, and we talked about this on defense, but uh, Patty Mills seemed kind of frantic with the ball, like just to start the game. Like he just seemed like he was rushing things a little bit, and I felt like that played a lot into Golden State's tone. I feel like. When you get to like the half court office, you've got to kind of slow things down, and that's how you take Golden State out of their, you know, their pace and how they succeed. Especially when you're rushing and then you're turning the ball over in transition, uh, that's I mean you're gonna pretty much get you know live by Golden State. I mean that's what they love the most, especially in transition and getting to the other side of the uh, the court and scoring easy buckets. So 
that's where I feel like even you know Montanelli may not be a point guard per se, but I, I feel like and and you know sometimes he he had one bad pass I think to Aldridge, but I think you kind of trust him and he's been there and he's been in every you know so many playoff series and so that that's where I thought that 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 adjustment uh, made a lot of sense especially offensively because he came in and had kind of a an impact immediately and so I'd like to see how that would you know how how that would change him too. Do you think uh, this is also before we move on to the offense, the Spurs' offense adjustments, stay on the defense one more time. Uh, do you think Pop should match Rudy Gay's minutes with Durant, where he's constantly having somebody who Durant has to play on the other end and kind of, I guess, uh, kind of tire Durant out, but I don't know if Rudy can handle this. So Rudy only played 22 minutes and three quarters. Durant played 31 minutes and th- 32 minutes and three quarters. So, like I mentioned, Durant plays the entire first quarter, the entire third quarter, and all seven and a half minutes of the second. Do you, think, do you think Pop should actually think about that? Like, kind of like how he used to do with Kawhi, where he would match him with Durant? Yeah, I mean, it seems like Durant's gotten pretty much the better of anybody that, that has defended him. I mean, Anderson, Green. So that's one of those things where you might see that game too. And uh, I think that's one thing that everybody said about Rudy Gay is, is how long he is. And, and that might be, you know, probably your best chance at trying to at least limit Durant a little bit. And he's he's still good enough a passer to get other people involved. But if they can take away him jacking up threes and, and scoring as much as he has been. I mean, that might be the one thing that helps. Yeah, even if even if Gay doesn't have to guard Durant, but I'm just saying to have somebody like, because Durant does want to guard Gay on the other end, so that's something, right. you know, just to have somebody where Durant has to play more defense than just kind of helping out as a help defender uh, right. on the other end. Um, okay, Mike, let's go ahead and go to some offensive adjustments for the Spurs. Now, on this end, I don't have as many. You know, I have a few, but there's not, you know, there's not much hope for their offense. <laughs> Especially if they have to make those swaps in the starting lineup because they can't play Patty Mills or Brent Forbes in as many minutes. Um, I put more. I wrote down more pick and ro- more four or five pick and rolls between Gay and Aldridge. We talked about how how good that 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 um that combination is and how much it, it does give the Spurs a little bit more chance of shot creation that are wide open, um, especially versus McGee when he's the center. I would say um, also like I mentioned, kind of experiment with more with more of the Murray pick and rolls. And then also give Manu more minutes, whether that's starting or coming off the bench. Because like we said, like you just said uh, a while ago, that Manu is one of their better pick and roll players still, even at that age of 40, where he can kind of create for himself or create for others. Uh, outside of that, I just don't see uh, the offensive adjustments the Spurs can really make. I mean, they're, they're so yeah. limited in this series without Kawhi, who we will talk about pretty soon. But I mean, they are just so limited in their, in their weapons that they have. I mean, it, it just comes down to, like, I mean, can players like, Make shots, and that's really—I mean—that's not—that's not really something you speak to as far as adjustments, because it's just something that happens or, or doesn't. Just depends on the shots they take. I think they just need to be, uh, you know, a little more patient to start the game, and uh, that might help. And uh, Vicky mentioned something in her uh, game one adjustments uh, about using up the full shot clock, and obviously that's not something you always look at. I mean, I think you just you get to all you try to get him. Um, in positions to score, and so the clock doesn't really play too much of a a role in that. But I mean, I just think what she was saying is, is is has more to do with like patience and not rushing things, because like I said earlier, that'll play right into the hands of Warriors. Yeah, and I I, I read that too, and I remember on their second possession they they actually got a twenty four second violation, and I, I think that there are some shots that they could they could look at like she wrote like um they could they could look at not not rushing as much. But then also, I mean, the Warriors' defense is just so good 
uh, with all that switching, their lane that that even when the Spurs run their motion sets, they're not going anywhere. They're kind of just they end up going into a bad shot either way because that defense is just they're they're just basically um kind of um, shrinking the entire floor for San Antonio's offense. So yeah, I mean Spurs cast listeners, I, unless the Spurs figure out some some pop you know does some sort of magic, I can't figure out what other adjustments they can make outside of what Mike and I just discussed. Maybe there are more out there. Uh, Mike, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we will be right back. Thank you for listening to SpursCast, episode 491. Uh, my name is Paul Garcia, uh, SpursCast host, and then I'm joined by Michael DeLeon of ProjectSpurs.com as we are breaking down game one of the Spurs' opening first-round series against the Golden State Warriors, uh, and then we're also previewing uh, game two here on this, in this episode. Uh, Mike, let's go into another topic. It's kind of not deals with the series, but it kind of does deal with the series. So one name, uh, who, one guy who, who got a lot of attention yesterday, he was trending on social media for a while, was Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, now that the Spurs are in the playoffs, they're getting national TV, they're playing one of the biggest marketed teams, which is the Warriors. This Kawhi story is going to start blowing up a little bit more um, unless his camp comes out or his, as Pop says, his, uh, what does Pop call him? Oh, his group comes out and says something, Pop actually yeah. just calls him his group. Anyway, so... You know, during the broadcast, um, ABC starts talking about Mark Jackson, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, how this is like one of the most un, you know, common situations for a star athlete to ever go through. You know, there's just still no certainty. Uh, you saw, you saw um, the reporter Lisa Salter said she spoke with Pop, where Pop basically said, you know, his group still says he's not ready to go. We'll, we'll know more so once his group says he's ready, but obviously that doesn't look like he's going to play in the playoffs. And on the other side, it looks bad for the Spurs' side that, or Kawhi's side, should I say, that Steph is injured too. He's out for the series most likely. And he's at least there warming up in front of the team, you know, doing his rehab in front of the fans. He's there on the sideline, you know, supporting his guys, cheering with them, helping them with strategy. And, and uh, according to Pop, as recently as today, that you and I are recording this on Sunday afternoon, uh, Kawhi is still in New York rehabbing. This is what Pop's, Pop basically says. Um, so, you know, with this Kawhi situation still so, so he's, his side is still so quiet, there's going to be all these narratives being written right now. Um, and one that already came out was... Um, Saturday evening after the game ended, Sam Amick of USA Today, a big, a big columnist in the national media, uh, wrote a piece about how the Clippers are already one, one team that sources say, are, according to him, are going to throw their hat in the ring uh, to try to send a package for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, one thing that was also very telling from Amick about how distant the Spurs and Kawhi are right now is that he spoke with Pau Gasol during the game, before the game even started, and Pau says they haven't seen Kawhi in weeks. The players, his own teammates, have not seen him in weeks. Uh, Amick did say that one teammate uh, does text with Kawhi pretty often and that that teammate even texted him before game one started. So he didn't say who that teammate was. Um, I'm not going to, to try to put a theory out of who it is. Um, just going back to that, that Clippers package, in case they were to ever um, try to make an enter- the Spurs were to entertain an offer from them. The Clippers do have uh, two first-round picks projected to go 12 and 13. Uh, that, that one of their picks can be um, in the 5 to 30 range from Detroit. Um, and then what else did I write here? Oh, there was also something. It was kind of funny, I guess, because uh, after the game ended, people were there was this thing trending where these people thought Kawhi was playing Fortnite, so <laughs> that that online game. So apparently, uh, during the game, somebody just put up some random clip that was just like an empty Snapchat story, and it said something like, uh, "I just I'm playing my first game ever on Fortnite" or something like that. And then people were like, "That's Kawhi." And then it's like it just it became an actual story. There was people talking about it on Twitter, even to the point where I had to research. I'm like, this guy does not have a Snapchat. And so no, it was a false thing somebody just made up. But of course, it blew up. And you, you really don't know what he's doing. I mean, he, they say he's rehabbing New York, but who knows if he's playing Fortnite or he's taking a nap or what. Or maybe he is just working out. Uh, you know, Pop, as of today, uh, Sunday, that, we, that we're recording this, he had this quote already. The, the reporters asked him in his, in his um, media availability, you know, is Kawhi going to come back for the series? And he said, you'll have to ask Kawhi and his group about that. And that's today's where 
Pop confirmed that Kawhi is still in New York as far as the Spurs know, um, still rehabbing his quad to hopefully try to come back for the series. Um, you know, what is your take on this and how much worse do you think it's going to get and as the silence keeps co- keeps going? I, I don't know. It's a lot of times it's just kind of one of those things where I just kind of kind of laugh at it because it, it's strange, like how much people's opinions changed based on like no new information. It's we we still have pretty much the same information we've had for like a month, but like yesterday, you know, you saw people were like you know, people have gone from like supporting Kawhi to now oh they're like they're done with him and want to trade him and and everything like that. So it, it's just strange how like I said how much change. And a lot of that is kind of like the uh, the whole media, uh, you know, m- machine and everything. Like everything's a headline now, and and you, they, you know, a lot makes a, there's a lot a lot of people that make a story out of, out of nothing. There's a quote, and it gets made into an entire story, and there's a lot of speculation kind of put on it. And I mean, I I wouldn't like change your, <laughs> I wouldn't make an opinion or change your opinion until something actually you actually hear something, uh, like concrete. And you're probably not gonna get that. Until after this, the uh, you know the playoffs are over or whatever. So that that's just interesting. The whole Clippers thing also was kind of to me. That's just like I mean, any team that like didn't make the playoffs and, and needs to improve would obviously look at if, if they see that there might be a problem there, then they'd obviously talk about possibly putting together a trade to try to to get him, especially with as much has been made about him being uh, from LA and everything. So, uh, that there's that's one thing. That's another story that's kind of gotten. I feel like built up into a, a little more than it it should have been. It, it to me, it's just one of those things that you write at the end of the story. It's a, a note type of thing. But yeah, I mean, it 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 was just it was just crazy how much of the game was like dominated by that. And I was just like, this has been the story for like a long time, and it, it's just now like getting so much like airtime. I thought was was a little crazy, but. It's just going to continue, I feel like. And, you know, somebody commented that it's probably going to continue until somebody says something and Kawhi's not the type of players to say anything. And he, he just isn't. Even when he's... I mean, I think you and I have seen this in, in pre-games and stuff like that. And you go up and ask questions. He's not a man of many words. And it's just not his, his thing. Um, So, you know, I, I think this this whole, like, Cycle is going to keep continuing throughout the playoffs as long as the Spurs are in the playoffs. Um, I don't see it ending, and and um, yeah, I, I would just say take a lot of these stories kind of with a grain of salt because nobody, not a lot of people, really know exactly what's going on right now. Yeah. Okay. I I, I mean I, I I agree with you, and I think the only way this kind of dies down this these all this noise is if he does at least make an appearance, even if he doesn't play, but just you know sits behind the team either. Whether it's in, in in Oakland or if it's back in San Antonio for games three or four or beyond, if the series goes beyond that, um, I think that if he doesn't, then you know you're, you're right. Where people are just gonna or just writers and and fans are all gonna just start making up the, not making it up. Some some of it is is getting it from other GMs and stuff and, and agents, but uh, you know, start starting to create this narrative, and they're gonna continue to drive this narrative. And the longer he's away from the team and this, the, and, the, and as quiet as he is, the, the more this narrative will continue to um to to to, to basically snowball. Where you know a lot, like like I mentioned, that you know they're playing the the one team that gets a lot of media attention. So these stories are going to start coming out uh, on Kawhi, uh, you know, especially as the silence continues. And I don't know, maybe his group needs to just, you know, he did come out like you mentioned. He came out and said something, you know, like like I, they asked him if he want to be for Spurred for Life, and he said for sure or something like that. But you know, maybe maybe his group can like uh, put out some some press releases where they say you know he's rehabbing and, and this went well today. You know, just something where 
I guess that, 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 that it shows more than just the silence, because right now the, the narrative is being written and, and driven by the, all that silence where people can just kind of yeah. make their own opinions and, and their own stories up because there's no one's going to basically, um, you know, hold them accountable for it if, as long as Kawhi's side stays quiet. So, you know, that's just kind of the world we live in where media is taken over and, and stories take over. And especially with silence, you can kind of just make your, your own opinions sometimes or, or, or get, your, get sources. One thing Amick did write about in that piece is that you were right, like GMs are kind of just hoping that this falls apart for the Spurs because they do want their chance at sending a trade package for Kawhi this coming summer um, in the event of trying to land him. So, you know, we'll continue to follow the Kawhi situation as it continues uh, going on into the future. All right, Mike, our last topic, let's, uh, let's go ahead and preview Game 2. Uh, so Game 2 will take place Monday night at 9.30 uh, if you're living in, in Texas, uh, which is going to be in Oakland, basically. That's why it's a late tip-off. Uh, the Warriors, according to Vegas, are already favored by 10 points. That was as of last night. I checked the, the, the lines, and yeah, going to say it's favored by 10. Um, just like we always do, Mike, uh, who do you have in this game, game two, between the Spurs and Warriors? You know, playoffs are all about adjustments. I mean, that's always what's been about it. It's uh, a series of adjustments, and he makes the right adjustments. You know, the thing is, offensively, like we talked about, there's not a lot of adjustments we can make. And so, um, I'm gonna say game two. I mean, I think you'll you'll you'll. I think it'll be closer than it was game one, but I still see Golden uh, State winning this one. Okay, I agree with you too. I think that the Spurs will make their adjustments where they're gonna be a little bit better defensively to hang with. You kind of keep it close to Golden State. In the end, you know, they just have so much firepower. They have Durant, they have Clay Thompson, they have just so many weapons. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, just what what do you do right now if you're San Antonio? You're, you're just unless Kawhi comes back, you don't you don't have a lot of options. So I'm taking the Warriors as well in, in this one on Tuesday. I mean, on Monday, should I say? Uh, thanks, Mike, for joining me for SpursCast episode 491. Um, SpursCast listeners, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at mdeleon. It's at mdeleon. Read his work at ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, continue to send us your questions using hashtag SpursCast. If you're on if you're on Twitter, follow us at Project Spurs at ATLeague underscore NBA at the SpursCast at Project Spurs Network. Uh, visit us at ProjectSpurs.com, analyzing the league.com and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day.